Hello and welcome to Resolutions, a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention. For those of you tuning in for the first time, this podcast is a project created by the ABA section of Dispute Resolution to increase the avenues where we can connect. We'll engage in conversation with members of the dispute resolution community about topics of interest in the field. My name is Jason Harper. I'm a private mediator and ADR consultant in the areas of employment and special education. Today, we'll be covering a topic that deals with the youngest members of our mediation community and the future of our industry. Peer mediation programs have been going on for years, but it seems as though it's been going on in the background of the mediation landscape. So today, we're going to shed a small bit of light on the programs that are bringing long-term benefits to their schools, neighborhoods, and families. For that discussion, I'm sitting down with Ann Sawyer and Dr. Pamela Kreiser. Ann Sawyer is the Executive Director of 90 Minds Incorporated and President of Kids Managing Conflict. Ann has over 15 years of experience in the mediation sector, serving as a mediator, facilitator, and conflict resolution consultant. Ann is an expert at conflict assessments, which provide insightful analysis, which is essential to any conflict management process. Ann has worked with conflicts in a variety of circumstances, including workplace, divorce, post-divorce, settlement negotiations, community, as well as business disputes. Past clients include individuals, universities, nonprofits, and other corporate entities. As president of Kids Managing Conflict, or KMC for short, her goals have been focused on growing and connecting the peer mediation community, as well as bringing together as many resources as possible to support both the students and the staff involved in the programs. And works collaboratively with a board of directors, volunteers, strategic partners, mediation associations, and schools all over California and nationally to build a more visible, influential, and resilient peer mediation sector. And Sawyer, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Dr. Pamela Kreiser. For over 30 years, Dr. Pamela Kreiser has trained individuals to become better communicators. She specializes in communication in close relationships frequently speaking on topics such as conflict management, mediation and resolution, and quantitative methods. She has written over 15 scholarly papers and published chapters in academic books. Professor Kreiser earned a PhD in interpersonal communication with a specialization in quantitative methods from the University of Texas at Austin. Currently, Professor Kreiser serves as an, as an adjunct associate professor in the negotiation, conflict resolution, and peace building program as a Master of Arts uh, at California State University, Dominguez Hills. Additionally, she teaches full-time in the Department of Communication Studies at California State University, Long Beach, as well as running the Mediation Certificate Program. Professor Kreiser serves regularly as a senior mediator in the California Superior Court System and serves as an advisory member, advisory board member rather, for Kids Managing Conflict. Dr. Kreiser also has a podcast called Asking for a Friend with TalkDoc, and is based on expanding communication tools and improving relationships. Dr. Kreiser, thank you so much for being here. Fun to, fun to be here. All right, fantastic. So uh, as I mentioned, this is going to be a conversation about peer mediation. Uh, it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart, um, and, you know, and I know it's uh, near and dear to both of yours as well. And I'd love to start out with you. Uh, when talking about this particular uh, concept and, and discussion, uh, it's always important to start at the beginning. Uh, so, and please tell us, what is peer mediation? What is peer mediation? Uh, well, I believe peer mediation to be a really, truly innovative process, 
by which students uh, or kids can have a facilitated conversation around any conflicts that they may be experiencing. Uh, they have the ability in that conversation to create their own solution and use their shared problem solving within a school setting to resolve those conflicts. Um, trained peer mediators serve as the neutral parties to help the participants reach agreements. And, um, and it, it's just an incredible process, I think, and skill set to give students, now, especially nowadays. It's, um, uh, it requires very minimal adult intervention and it's already being used in many schools, so we're already learning at, about the benefits, which is great. Interesting, interesting, and and thank you for for helping us start at the beginning, as it were. So, I guess the the, the natural follow up question is for a lot of folks: uh, Does peer mediation replace the traditional school disciplinary system? And and Dr. Kreiser, I'd love to to get your thoughts as well. But Anne, I'd love to start with you. I don't think anything can replace any traditional school systems. And, and generally speaking, they're going to be different in every school anyways. Uh, I truly believe it to be an overall umbrella uh, skill set that we can get into the school to change the culture of how conflicts are dealt with. And so it's, to me, just an addition to. And hopefully um, it will alleviate some of the demands that are on that process already. And I would say the same thing. I would say that I think traditional systems will always be in place on some level, but I think peer mediation is an opportunity to have an add-on that could be very beneficial to the, to the school, to the peer mediators, to the school population. Uh, 35 years ago, when I first discovered peer mediation, which I know is a long time ago, I was in the office working at the middle school where, where I worked during my undergraduate degree, and a student came in and said, I'm here for conflict management. And I thought, I wonder where we keep that. Because I was like, you, did a kid just walk in and ask for this? Is that literally part of his system? So I went back to the vice principal and said, where do we keep conflict management? And he laughed and he said, I forgot to tell you about that. And they had a full-blown peer mediation program at the school that was not replacing their system, but in addition to it. And so what the process was is that students would come in and file a form to try to request that. And that was an embedded part of their culture, honestly, where they would be able to request help from a peer to try to mediate that conflict. And that, that's truly the hallmark of this practice, right? Is that everybody gets to pro uh, basically participate and process voluntarily. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Kreiser, I want to come to you with this next question, uh, you know, and especially s considering your background and, mm -hmm. and the, the level of studies that, uh, that you engage in, is there an optimal level for peer mediation programs? Well, we see them on honestly every level. We see them at elementary, middle school, high school, and they present really differently. So it sort of depends a little bit on what kind of program that you're trying to implement. So we see in the elementary school curriculum, we see a little bit of de-escalation education and, and kind of helpfulness and supportiveness on the playground. Uh, but I think it's when we get to middle school where I would, I would advocate that we can truly get into the peer mediation. And I say this from a, more of an academic standpoint saying, we know from psychology that 
students who are 12 to 14 or so finally do their completed process of developing their ability to think in concepts. So if you study Piaget, you have this scientific thinking. If you study Vygotsky, it's the, the third stage of development. However you slice it up, it's where the student finally has the ability to think outside of themselves and to really think about interaction as if they were looking down on that interaction from an observation deck. Now, this is a skill that the mediator has to have. Mm. The mediator has to be able to, to be in the mediation, but also observe the mediation at the same time and offer guidance for the process. And so what we find is that students who are 12 or a little bit older than 12, doesn't have to be perfectly 12, but they're able to engage in this higher levels of thinking. Now, you might wonder, so what is the big deal? Why, why do we care so much about thinking? And we care so much about thinking because thinking and speech are dynamically related. So what we know is that people in conflict abbreviate their speech and get more, their levels of speech decline. So they say things they don't mean, they are not clear, they get upset, they start, you know, we all know this about conflict, right? Mm -hmm. So what is magical about the presence of that peer mediator is when they can think in these concepts, they can actually get the speech to get back up to that elaborated level through this skill development that we have in these programs. And it's an exciting thing to see someone that young be able to influence their peers and take that abbreviated speech and elevate it back up to a productive level. Mm. So interesting. That's so interesting. So, so with that in mind, I mean, and you, you talked about it a little bit there, but if you could just, you know, elaborate a bit more, how do peer mediators benefit from their work as mediators? I, I think they benefit in every way. I mean, one of the things that I, as, as I was describing the process, I kept thinking, part of what that mediator is doing is practicing special skills that most people who are 12 don't have or 14 or 16. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so I know Anne and I have talked about this before, this idea that the benefits are all around, whether that's emotional intelligence, early communication skills. I, I don't know what's on your list, Anne. We talked about that. And there are so many things. And when you bring the conversation to collaborative, you start looking at different resolutions and different ideas. So you're overall viewpoint changes in every situation because you start to realize there's there's different avenues in any conflict or any conversation um to me it's what they bring home to their families and what they bring to their other peers their friends mm -hmm. who start to recognize that they're communicating a little bit differently or perhaps listening a little bit differently or understanding a little bit differently. Uh, I know I've heard from several peer mediators that even though they were formally peer mediating, they found that many of their friends and family were coming to them yeah. <laughs> outside of school because they found that they were listening better to them and different to them. And then it obviously that's going to translate into their professional skill set. Uh, once they graduate from high school, they're carrying these conflict resolution skills straight through to the professional workplace. So the benefits are not only um, far reaching for the school and the school culture, but they impact the family and then they impact the future of these students as well. I wish, could only wish I would have had this skill set when I was their age. Unfortunately, it took me till I was in my 40s to learn it, but <laughs> at least I got it now. So, There's never a bad time. Never, never a bad, a bad time. time. Yeah. So, and I want to stick with you on this because, you know, we've talked about, you know, a little bit about the, the process of peer mediation. We've talked about 
um, peer mediation as, as a concept and whether it replaces the traditional school disciplinary system and the like and optimal levels and such. But a question to go into kind of the, the nitty gritty and one of the main, uh, the main aspects of mediation is confidentiality. And so uh, my question for you, Anne, is are peer mediators able to exercise their duty of confidentiality? I believe they are more than adults. I think they're so engaged and involved in the process that they're uh, absolutely tied to the, and they really believe in it because they know that that's the core foundation of the training and the work that they're they're trying to do. So interesting. And so, so yeah, absolutely. I, I believe the students actually can be um, uh, much more confidential than some of the grownups. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I've noticed uh, when I've, you know, witness peer mediation sessions and 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 seeing different programs is when students take an ownership of of the process and the the mediators the student mediators take an ownership of the process they are fiercely protective of it and so it from that standpoint i have in my own personal uh, experience i've seen them be very very serious about the uh, duty of confidentiality so uh so i absolutely uh, affirm that and on the party side too it's important to point out it's not only the peer mediators but now the parties have been given a space and a process right they're not necessarily going to be exonerated from their actions um, but they're going to be in a, in a process that will encourage them to potentially take responsibility and, and take steps to make the situation better, as opposed to a black and white, okay, you're suspended or you're at, pulled out of class or whatever it may be. Um, it, it, this is a much more collaborative process. So for the parties are in, in conflict, they learn a different way to, to examine a conflict and participate in that conflict as well. Interesting. And uh, Dr. Kress, I want to come back to you with a with another question. And so how did the kids whose conflicts were resolved with the help of peer mediators, how did they benefit from the process in your view? Uh, that's such a great question. The, the benefits are widespread throughout every part of the school, in my opinion. So I've been involved in many different programs over the years for a lot of years. And if we wanted to focus in on those students who are having trouble, the ones who can't manage their own conflicts. So let's say they, they come into the office, like I described, and they request conflict management or peer mediation or whatever that school calls it. One of the things that we know based on you know, development is that when students can get the help of a peer, they can expand what we call their zone of proximal development. So zone of proximal development is this is the space that's the next space of growth. So it's the space in front of us that we haven't grown in yet. And what we know from theoreticians like Vygotsky, for example, is we know that when you get some, when you put someone in that space who is called a more knowledgeable other, so it's somebody who knows a little more than you, if you put them in that space, you can actually see extreme rapid growth in that area, in that zone of proximal development. So how does that relate to peer mediation? Well, if we take a more knowledgeable other, a peer mediator, so they're not a million steps ahead, but there's some steps ahead in communication. We put them in that space where they're undeveloped, and all of a sudden we see what is magical, honestly, in peer mediation for any, any listening who have been around it. It's, it's remarkable what we see accomplished. And part of what we're seeing is that that peer mediator able to take that disputant or whatever you want to call it to a higher level 
pretty quickly with that skill set that they have. And here's what's more exciting. What we find that they can do together in collaboration, the student can do independently on their own in the future. So in that peer mediation space, they're modeling the communication behavior. They are forcing better communication behavior. And I don't mean forcefully. I just mean that they're <laughs> in a structured way, helping people communicate better. And as they model it, as they mentor it in these students, all of a sudden we find that that collaboration translates into down the road, these skills being played out on an individual level in the future. So what does that mean? Those students can actually practice these conflict management solutions for the rest of their lives. Mm. And that's so interesting that you mentioned that because you know it, it sounds like they're more willing to adopt these, these new practices, these new communication strategies because they're seeing a peer modeling that behavior. And, and if I'm not mistaken, that speaks to, I guess, uh, Pierre Bordeaux and, and the concept of, of cultural capital. Um, you know, the kids have it amongst each other, and so they're more willing to, to acquiesce because it's a peer that's, uh, that's promoting this as opposed to someone else that's not in that group. Absolutely. And that's been my experience, that the adaptability seems to be faster and the flexibility seems to be broader because of the peer word in peer mediation. Because peers are there. They're the ones that are the more knowledgeable others. It's not like dad came down there or the principal or whoever. We've heard all of that. And a lot of students, especially when you get into middle school and high school, become resistant to some of those parental voices. So here's an opportunity of honestly great proportion, this idea that we can have peers be the, the mentors. Absolutely. And that's how they find new peer mediators. Yeah. It is through... <laughs> through these programs and through the process, that's how they're, they're recruiting and, and that's how these programs are more successful. The, the more student-led, student-driven, uh, the more successful they are, for sure. No, that's a great point. And, and so, uh, speaking of which, let me come back to you, and on this. Uh, looking at it, obviously, we've talked about it from the standpoint of the student, um, and I think that's fantastic. How do we, how do, let's move over to the, to the school level. So how, do the, how does the school that offers mediation <laughs> programs, how does the school benefit from said program in your view? Um, again, I think the overall culture changes because now they have a group or a space that is there to have difficult conversations for sure. Um, the, the school benefits in the numbers game as well, which I'm sure Dr. Kreiser can allude to. Um, to me, the, the benefits are far reaching for the school with, without a doubt. But the challenges to the school are probably a little bit more than they are to the students. Because as we know with uh, the pandemic and, and the last couple of years, our student resources, our teachers, our schools are pretty much at capacity. So that's one of the things we're looking really hard at is how can we further support administration and teachers that are trying to facilitate these programs. And, and you actually alluded to something that I wanted to ask, uh, you know, and, and further expound upon. Uh, and, you know, we've come out of uh, and are presently coming out of a, a monumental, devastating uh, pandemic uh, that has changed so much, um, particularly in the school system, uh, mm -hmm. school closures, uh, subsequent reopenings, um, you know, years later, uh, in some cases, uh, you know, we've, we've seen situations where a student, uh, you know, in, in March of 2020 was 
in the fifth grade and and they don't and they you know start going to school at home and then they don't go back to their school campus until they're an eighth grader and there's a huge shift um, in in maturity uh, in in curriculum um, in just thought and uh, and and all of those areas uh, and so with that in mind do you do you see an increased need for peer mediation programs based on everything that uh, that the students have been through yeah simply because of the social emotional skill set they get as part of it it's almost invaluable it, 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 i do believe we're at the point where almost every student should get this training because they've lost so much time socializing they've lost so much time honestly in conflict too in person they haven't had conflicts in person they've been online so how do you get back in person and now interact online and and if you are in a conflict with somebody that now you're in class with that you haven't been around for several years what do you do with that mm -hmm. <laughs> so i think even more so than ever and i and i and i would say we all are experiencing it on every level parents teachers administrators students friends of parents <laughs> um bosses of parents it's it's across the board that everyone has had to adapt but i do believe there's there's opportunity here and um there's an opportunity to bring peer mediation to a new level because of the challenges that we've had for the last couple of years. Well, allow me to jump into that and, and we can go even further because we talk about the socialization. Um, for students, a lot of the socialization that took place during that you know shutdown time was through social media, was through the internet. Um, now, obviously communication via social media was happening before uh, a global pandemic, uh, you know, necessitated a shutdown. However, uh, we've seen it kick into overdrive uh, in sorts. And so where do you see or do you see peer mediation creating a space in the digital realm? Absolutely. I feel like we haven't utilized it to our best ability yet because we've all been just adapting to what's been thrown at us. But I do think now's the time to take a look and figure out okay, all of these students now know how to get on Zoom for the most part or, or figure out have figured out how to get online. Uh, they're comfortable at least with the process of going online, even, even if it's not too frequently anymore. Um, so, you know, why can't we consider online conflict resolution for the students? Let's start bridging some gaps and providing them some technology to do that. Um, we have so much technology and, and resources just now at our hands. And so it's a matter of organizing it and putting it to the best uh, uh, ability to, to serve the schools and the students. Absolutely. And, and I think that's a, that's a fantastic answer. And, and obviously, I want to thank both of you, uh, Anne and, and Dr. Kreiser, for, for your time. And before we, before we close out, I wanted to, you know, first, Anne, ask you, uh, you know, I know you're the president of uh, Kids Managing Conflict, and, and that's an organization that is working to uh to increase the uh, visibility and promote and and support peer mediation programs on a national level can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah we have um we actually have a task force that's been in place since 2020 uh and we have the amazing support of dr kreiser in her class as well because we want to start collecting some information from these students um whether it's the peer mediators or students that go through uh, conflict resolution programs 
there's not a lot of information out there. So one of our goals this past year is how can we start to gather some of this information so that we can properly support and serve the students. Uh, the, the other two components I'm looking very strongly at are training and technology. Uh, in the past, training has been uh, in person. Usually high school training is about a 15 to 18 hour training program that um, is in person. And so once we lost the ability to connect with these students in person, we lost the ability to train them. And so now I believe we need to take a look at training in different formats and different platforms and maybe look at hybrid situations so that we can more efficiently and effectively serve more students. Um, we're going to have much better access if we utilize online resources than if we're utilizing in-person. Although many will tell you there's invaluable skill sets to in-person training, and we'd like to keep that as part of the training. I just think there's room for improvement uh, to adding, adding, adding technology to that. And then adding technology to accessibility and process. I think those are big things where uh, we can make a lot of dramatic improvements in a short period of time with the right people focused on it. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. So I think it's great to, to hear the the focus or you know some of the focuses of uh, of kids managing conflict uh, as an organization. Um, it sounds like it's doing great work uh, in in supporting peer mediation programs uh, in schools of all levels uh, nationwide. Um, Dr. Kreiser, I know that you uh, also contribute to to the discourse um, and and communication skills, and I know that you have a podcast called Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc. Please tell us a little bit more about that. It's true, Jason. Uh, so we have, the podcast is basically focused on communication and relationships, specifically tools, but tools for everyday use. So the conversations that we have are meant to be everyday conversations. How do you get these tools in your regular life? Some of them have to do with mediation, not that many. Most have to do with interpersonal communication, so communication and close relationships. And it's been a privilege to get that going. It's a little over a year old, and we're we're finding our legs, so we're we're happy. About I, it. I use it all the time now. Anytime I have a question, I always say I'm asking for a friend, so I don't have to own my question. <laughs> well, that's it's funny because we chose that title because a lot of people in the conflict space don't like to ask about their conflict. They want to ask about their friend's conflict, even though it's really their conflict. So had to, had to name it that for sure. But the thing that, that I think it's interesting as we kind of, I was listening to you talk, Anne, about KMC and about, you know, getting into schools and all of that. And as we exit the pandemic, I think we have a different viewpoint now. I think we have maybe even previously we had to justify peer mediation a little more to the world. And I'd say we almost have to justify it a little less. There's conflict out there. All kinds of levels, a lot. every level. Every day I drive four miles a day and every day in that four mile drive, I experience witnessing at least one or two conflicts. Yeah. It's and across so, the board these days. I mean, I don't think people look at our kids that have been in, in the schools and say, oh, they're golden. They've had a great experience. It's all been rosy. They're all getting along so well. And so as we kind of think about peer mediation, I think there's a very strong case for the importance of it, even more so today than there was two years ago or three years ago. Not because it wasn't important before, but because we can see it as more important now. 
And so part of what I think is exciting about KMC, and, and I sit on the advisory board of it, so I'm not as instrumental as Anne is in the leadership of it, but uh, part of the exciting work that I see you doing and Jason, you also doing in the peer space is this idea that we can get in with these kids and give them some real solutions and it's not like we're giving them solutions to their problems, but I mean solution tools to, to get solutions. And when we can give them real tools, that's a big deal. And so what are we trying to interrupt? We're trying to interrupt this pipeline that could end up in prison, mm -hmm. right? Where we see some, I mean, there's a lot of organizations that think about this problem of the pipeline of you know, youth crime that ends up in a prison situation. And imagine a world where we could train so many kids in peer mediation and get them to have all these tools so that they don't have such bad outcomes. And I just think now more than ever, it seems like a very important conversation to have. Absolutely. And, Without and, a doubt. You know, and on that note, uh, Anne, is there, a, is there a way to find out more information about Kids Managing Conflict? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to our website, which is kidsmanagingconflict.org. I invite you to take a look at our impact report. It shows some of the good work we've done in terms of the money that we've raised in the schools that we've given grants out to. Um, but as I uh, mentioned earlier, we are definitely looking at the future of peer mediation and what can we do with it to make it better. We're definitely not looking at trying to con continue status quo and dog pedal our way through this, we really want to get in there and get some immediate resources uh, to initially our grant recipients, but hopefully on a larger scale, um, all students. Fantastic. Well, again, I want to thank you both for your time. And, uh, and this has been the Resolutions Podcast, a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention. I've been Jason Harper. Take it easy. Thank you.